Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today we have Mike Kim. He's the founder of Some Neat Place, and he describes it as a perfectly imperfect kindness company. Thank you so much for Thank coming on today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I'm very intrigued by what you do because kindness, I think, is something that is needed in today's society. It is such an overlooked quality that I feel like should be 101. What made you want to spread kindness into the world? Um, you know, my, my role model has always been my mom. And she's always been my compass in terms of my true north. And I've always knew what kindness felt like. Um, and I stumbled throughout my entire life to figure out what that means to me. And um, through a lot of trauma, um, the last few years, uh, it's really driven me to this point. And um, a collection of mis unfortunate events happened, and uh, it's, it's led me here, though. Okay, so what kind of work were you doing before you started this kindness company? Uh, the work that I did was... Um, you know, a lot of startups, web design agencies, um, started my own con consulting firm. And during the middle of all the trauma, I became an operating officer for a luxury real estate firm. So I, I felt like I was a, a nomad in my professional career too, just kind of jumping around. Um, but I've always been an operations guy. Um, but then in the back corner, I've always been creative, I feel. And so then this is a kind of like, I guess my coming out party, if you will, with something place. So yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. So it seems like it's a blend of everything that you, a lot of things that you value creativity. How can we spread kindness through creativity? And you partner with other businesses, correct? Yeah. Well, the first thing is like, how do I spread kindness um, instead of just telling stories? But how do we build community where um, we can act, start activating things? And so in my mind, I was like, well, um, there's a gentleman, Virgil Abloh, who unfortunately passed away recently through cancer. And it's per very personal to me, too. I, I'll touch on that. But then what he was doing was what he did for Nike with Off-White and the collaboration he did. I, I fell in love with what he, his philosophy was, was keep intact their, their platform, wh whatever they're doing, and just add something else. Sprinkle on some, for me, sprinkle on some kindness and make it... Uh, very bespoke, but very particularly for them and for me. So it's sharing their story and sharing mine and collaborating and, and pushing out kindness to the world. You had mentioned trauma. Yeah. So can we talk about some of the things that have happened? Did they all happen simultaneously? Did it feel like, or was it just stuff from childhood that it just kind of kept stacking up? It's one of those things where I just talked about this to my friend and, you know, trying to search for my identity. Um, when I was a kid. So going through abuse, um, bullying, um, you know, not feeling like you belonged here as an Asian American. And so trying to fit, trying to find who I was, I think it's everyone's journey, you know, like, who am I? Who, who am I going to become? And through that process, I kind of, I felt like it was always a part of me trying to search for something. And so the trauma started a few years ago when I got a divorce. And as an Asian American, especially in the Korean culture, um, it's, it's frowned upon. It's, it's, it's not a positive experience. And so knowing that I, you know, I, a, a big part of my identity was with my ex-wife, like her husband, her partner, and I, and I loved it. And when that was in my mind stripped away from me, I was lost. And so that became traumatic for me. I was going out drinking almost every other day. Um, 
losing myself in um, a little, a very dark space and um, almost trying to question my existence. Like, why am I here? There's nothing to live for. So I knew that, okay, I'm either going to keep spiraling out of control and going down a dark path or I get help. Um, and that's when I was hell bent on getting therapy and just like really, and at that time, fix myself. Where, what, what's crosswired in my head? And so that began began the the traumatic journey for me. How long were you married for? Together for seven years, um, and married for three. Okay, and you said that your identity, a big part of it, was being her husband. So it was the dynamic more like. How are you in relationship? Are you like the supportive type? Are you the type to get lost in relationship? What was your pattern? And, you know, how how were you in the last marriage? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the biggest thing for me was um, um, my ego. You know, uh, it would pop out. And I named my ego the Hulk, by the way. And so whenever the Hulk comes out, back then in my relationships, and I... And I went on this apology tour for all my exes, and I called them, especially the ones that made a huge impact on my life. And I realized that I thought I knew everything. And so, oh, this is the right way to do it. I heard it from a friend that this is a way we should resolve conflict. And so I was almost preaching in a way where it's like, hey, I know this is the right way versus being open-minded of maybe there's another way to lean in. Maybe there's another way to listen. And that pattern continued. And that's when I was young, egotistical, and I didn't learn about myself, my trauma, to bring the best version of myself. And it's almost like this vicious blame game. Like, hey, there's something wrong with you, not me. I read this book, so I know what I'm talking about. And so that was a pattern for me, and it, I needed to break it. And I, I didn't realize that until I was going to therapy, reading um, an incessant amount of books and, and listening to a lot of podcasts like yours, and just getting knowledge of like, okay, oh, this is a cool insight, then actually taking notes on it and comparing my life and, and contrasting it. And why did you split? Uh, you know, um, infidelity. Uh, and I try to move on from it, uh, try to uh, suggest things, but I think at that point, um, something led her to do that to me. And of course, naturally you're hurt, you're angry, you're frustrated. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, I can't believe you did this to me. Um, but that's when the whole spiral happened. You know, that's when I went to that dark space. And, um, when I went to therapy, that's a, a light went off and I was like, Oh, you know what? Um, there's two people in this relationship, me and you, something caused you to do that. I want to know what it was. And not because like, I, you need to tell me what it was versus, um, what did I do wrong and how could I have showed up better for you? So then you would have never done that. So it's a huge lesson learned for me. So you asked her, did she give you an answer? Yeah. Um, so I remember having this conversation with her and just, what did I do wrong? And it's like nothing. And I said, no, there's got to be something. And there's a moment, um, and this is her own personal story, so I can't share it. But then there's a moment for her in her life that, you know, there's unspeakable things that people go through. And... And these moments where I thought I was doing the right things, um, telling her, hey, let's have a conversation. We're having conflict. Let's talk about it right now. Those were one of the things. And my timing was dictating our relationship inst instead of, hey, when you're ready to talk, when you're ready and able, let's talk about it. If you don't want to talk about it, I, I respect that too. I didn't know how to do that. I, hadn't, I didn't have the tools. The second thing was 
one of my friends came from out of town and kind of violated her personal space. Very touchy-feely, um, kisses me on my cheek like constantly. But some people just don't vibe with that. <laughs> she didn't. And we got in an argument about it. And, and then at that moment, it was almost like I didn't know how to protect her. And I was not that guy to protect her. And I didn't know. And then so every time we had an argument or a disconnection, she would go off to uh, another person and to find that uh, connection. And, um, and I, didn't know how to, I didn't know any of that was going on. I thought our relationship was perfect. And um, through more of those things, she started going further and further away from me. And I didn't even notice because I was working so much. And I was going off and trying to do a startup with my friends. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't check in. And uh, for that reason, um, especially my friend violating her personal space, I didn't know. And so I remember telling her, I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't show up for you. And, um, and I, the ending of that was we hugged. And I told her, thank you for giving me seven years of amazing memories. And I'll cherish that and I'll carry that forward. Um, and she taught me a huge lesson. You know, if it wasn't for her, I don't think I'm, um, I'll be the person I am today. So... Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's lovely. It it sounds like you've definitely dove into healing that you can see that it was a gift. Yeah. I'm curious, did she ever try to talk to you about things that were bothering her in the relationship? You know, this is something that I own. It's like, I think I created this this wall for her, you know, and and I think through her own uh, challenges in her life, the, the things that she went through, I think she needed someone to to be able to have patience to lean in with her and give her that space. And when she's ready, have that conversation. Instead of picking at, oh, the conversation should have been this way. We should talk about it that way. That's the way I see it. But it doesn't mean that I should project it onto her. And I did that. And I think she just built up more walls in, for, in our relationship. And I, and I understand that. And that's what I, I realized, like, oh, man, you know, um, I don't have all the answers. And my way is not the highway. It's like it shouldn't be ever. And and I, I still struggle with it, you know. I st I'm still working on it. But um, that was that turning point for me. Do you feel like you place too much responsibility or, like, self-blame on it? I, I know with grieving and stuff, there's a roller coaster of emotions. Like, sometimes you want to blame the other person, then it's like, it's my fault. Did you go through all that? Where are you with that? <laughs> yeah. I was able to let a lot of my relationships go. and But the ones that really stick out to me, are the ones that I could see beyond my expectations. And I think I set them. So like there's a standard that's programmed in my head from a young age. Um, you're not good enough or something. So the standard goes higher. Um, you should marry a Korean American girl. It's like, it goes higher Then it's programmed again in my head. And, you know, and I, I, I think I was that black sheep of the family where it's like, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do whatever F I want to do. <laughs> and so I would just uh, march on that. But I think to answer your question, it's just, I think I'm still on this journey to figure out who I am and how I move in a relationship. And all these things that I've taken from these wonderful women, just, you know, being able to see beyond my expectation. And I kept projecting that to people. Like, I, I need this. I, I need this job title. Or I want to see this this power couple that, so, like, social media kind of programs into you. Um, and I wanted it. And I was so hell-bent on getting it, you know. But... I, I missed out on some of the most beautiful people in my life. And these women gave that to me. And I just was too blind to see it at that time, too. I see. With kindness, 
Were you always kind growing up or is this something that you want to develop more of? Is that why you started your company? Yeah. Um, well, the, the trauma, do you mind if I share? No, absolutely not. I um, love it. Well, the trauma really started happening after the divorce. It was just a, it was like a vicious cycle of unfortunate things. Um, I just landed the COO job and I was on cloud nine. Then two weeks later, my dad gets cancer. Get a call from my brother. I'm in the office and told me, hey, um, why don't you come down? You know, dude, I'm just going to rip the bandit off. Dad has cancer. And it's stage four, uh, stomach and liver. Um, he's got three months to live. And so that rest of that afternoon was just was, was blur. So I go back home and it's very cathartic, you know, it's like signing the will, um, titles, the home, uh, his belongings. It's like, just like I didn't want to have that conversation. It was too fresh. So Thanksgiving was horrible in 2018. And I go back to LA. I just started this new gig. So I'm trying to turn my light on, go like, let's go green, let's go hustle this. And then um, my clockwork, my brother calls me again, my sister in law, her cancer, um, breast cancer has come back after three years. And now she has a do a double mastectomy in January. And so I was like, okay, wow, um, Christmas was horrible. Um, it was very sad. And then 2019, January, um, my ex-wife calls me and says, our friend Allison, her cancer has come back. Um, she's at the hospital at UCLA. And we saw her take her last breath in January. Um, that was really hard. Uh, she was such a good person and so young. And But then it made my dad's life real. It's like, oh, man, we have a month and a half left. I need to go back. So I kept going back and forth. March rolls around. And I'm back in LA. Uh, my aunt calls me, hey, your grandmother's not doing well. Her lung collapsed and lung cancer and Alzheimer's disease. So I, we laid her to rest a week after. Um, my dad couldn't fly down, of course, because cancer. And that was just, uh, she was old, but then she lived a good life. But it, again, um, the Alzheimer's, she didn't even recognize me towards the end. But there was this glimpse. I have a photo of her holding my hand. I think she recognized me. And then it snapped back out. But that's a moment that I'm cherishing. And then I thought maybe the, the storm is going to calm down. And then we go into April. Um, we do a scan of my dad. And he's His liver is clear, but then stomach cancer is still there. So it's like, oh, man, he's hard-headed. Uh, Korean military, he's going to beat this. But then I think my mom actually had time to breathe at that point. It's like, okay, I can, I can breathe. But then I'm back in L.A. My brother calls me the same way. Hey, I got bad news. It's like, is it dad? It's like, no, it's mom. We think she might have cancer. Come down. So I fly down. She's my best friend, mind you. So it's like, I'm losing my mind. And so I fly down, um, go straight to the hospital. She's getting surgery. Surgeon comes out. Says, I got bad and good news. It's like, give us the bad news. And she has stage three colon cancer. It's like, okay. And wow. And so I started crying, losing my mind. My brother's crying. It was just, it's horrible. And I was like, why is so many people we love? And how is my sister-in-law, my dad and my mom at the same hospital for cancer at the same time? It just felt like a bad Korean drama. It just wasn't, wasn't good. And so she gets out of surgery. Next few months goes by. Um, she rings the bell. She actually beats it. And so I'm back in LA. It's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, and then two weeks later, she gets another full scan and it came back. And it's now spread. And now they designated her stage four colon cancer. 
And so the rest of 2019, it just um, blurry. And I stepped away from that COO role to take care of my family. I just, my mind was gone. And um, I needed to respect that job too. And she knew it was just too much for me. And at, to taper off 2019, I had another friend that passed away from brain cancer. Um, so six people total. And it just going into 2020, we know what happens. I started my IT consulting company again just to do something, keep my mind occupied. And then COVID impacted that fully, lost my clients. And it's like, okay, well, I need it. I think this is God telling me, take a break, uh, do something else, be there for your family. And so I took a break. Uh, COVID happens. I get racially profiled in downtown LA when I'm eating with my friend. Someone called me the C, C word, told me to go home. You caused COVID. Eating a sandwich in downtown LA on a Monday afternoon. And I try to get up and try to talk to him too, but he wasn't having it. And so it's like, oh man, uh, racism on top of cancer, on top of losing my business. Um, it just not, it's not a good look. And so I'm dating at this point, rolling around June of 2020. You know, we ended up breaking up because I think there was so much going on in my life. And at that moment, I was like, oh man, this, this couldn't be more better timing for me to, for us to break up. But I get it. It's just, you know, it's also her story too and uh, her life. And so when she walked away, I remember going back to Austin thinking, could anything else get worse? And so... I go back to Austin. My dad's cancer is now back uh, full. It's spread. It's quadrupled in size. Um, hospice is now kicking in. And so we need to do end of life. And so when I get back to Austin, um, this is the hard part because it's like, um, this is what drives a lot of my kindness initiatives. Um, so he knew he was passing. And that night, uh, we called my family. They all came in from out of town. Well, my one mom's from Houston came in out of town. And my mom, my aunt, and I were talking in front of the house. He's like usually clapping his hands or he'll ring a bell to get our attention. Um, and I thought I heard something. It was late. It's like 10 p.m. And we're just talking about randomness. And just. And so I told my mom, hey, did you hear that? I think it's dad. He needs some. Go check it out. So, and I just stood there in the hallway just to see or just to, if I can hear something. And I didn't hear anything. I said, well, she just said, go check it out. And then. She, they started following me, and then I go to the door. It's locked. And I was like, why is it locked? He never locks the door. I was like, Dad, open the door. And I banged a little harder. Dad, open the door. I'm going to kick it down. Open the door. And then and I was frantically trying to open it. And somehow I jimmied it. I feel like 10 minutes. I jimmied it open, opened the door, looked this way. He's not on his bed. And immediately I thought he fell. And so I looked this way, and the next thing I know, I'm over the bathtub. And... I remember he was wearing a white t-shirt. Um, now it's red. Uh, and I saw blood everywhere. So I just, I didn't know what was happening. And then I, I closed my eyes and I opened them. My, my mom's on this side. My aunt's on this side trying to get him up, yelling at him. And I just, I just saw so much blood. I didn't know what was happening. And in that moment, I was just like, oh, sh I rush out, get my phone, call 911 and tell him what's happening. And they're trying to walk me through. And um, they said, um, do you want the ambulance to come? And I was like, F yes, hurry up. It's like, well, he's end of life. Mike, he's on hospice now. So it's just quality of care. I said, are you going to just let him bleed out? Hurry the ambulance. I was yelling. And then at the same time, I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm just, I don't know what to do. And so they're just saying, calm, it's okay, Mike. And, and then I see my mom crawl out um, of the, the bedroom, like just crawling out.
And at that time, she had six fractures, compound fractures in her back on top of the colon cancer. And at that moment, in hindsight, we found out that she fractured three more trying to lift my dad out. Um, she has osteoporosis too. And that was very hard to see because she's crying. There's blood all over her and um, just crawling, you know. And, um, and in the moment of all that, I call my brother. He lived five minutes away. He's super calm. He said, Dad's bleeding. I don't know what's happening. I call 911. Hurry, hurry. And then he told me, stay calm. I'll be right there. And um, then I'm back on 911 and um, just yelling for my aunt. Um, my mom just, I went in there one more time, blood makes me freak out. And so, and then I saw just like his head just keeled over. It's like, oh my God, what the hell is happening? Um, then I won't like everyone comes, just fire trucks and stuff outside and like 10 people inside the house, an officer like interrogating me in real time. Um, and he, he was asking me some questions and it's like, why, why now my dad's bleeding? Like, get out of my face. And he he looked at me and it's like, I did something. And I saw, that's why I told him, get the F out of my house. And then at that point, which was the hardest point, um, my brother is like on the phone with someone. He comes and um, uh, I heard two paramedics talking to each other. It's like 72-year-old Korean-American male, um, slit left wrist, slit right wrist, and then slit neck. And at that moment, I was like, no, 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 he fell. His chemo port broke. And then my brother grabs me on my right shoulder and says, no, you just, you, you caught his suicide midway through. And then I just lost it. You know, I just cried. And, um, uh, sorry, just sometimes, yeah. it, like I told this story so many times, but then um, sometimes it, get, it just hits me. Um, yeah, um, at that moment, I see the stretcher come out and his hands are up and then they have like this bandage around his neck and, that's when I knew he did it. And um, um, sorry. No, uh, okay. And then, you know, they take him to the hospital and then um, they told us they, they couldn't put him under for surgery. Um, and. Do you need a tissue? Yeah. Thank you. Can I get one too, actually? <laughs> you can have mine. <laughs> you can rip it in half. No, it's not just running. <laughs> You, no, no, here, you can take this one. Oh, you're so, you're so sweet. You're so sweet. Here. <laughs> nice. Sharon is caring. Yeah, they, they told us that this cancer was so big that if they put him under, he won't wake up. And so we just said, stitch him up as best as you can. And a couple of days later, he comes home. Um, and then we have this moment with him and just these raw moments, you know, um, I I don't want to trash my father, but, but he wouldn't win the Father of the Year award. Um, but he had a lot of PTSD from the Vietnam War too, and um, you know that's so why I, I, I'm so fond of the military and people who serve because this is real. You know, PTSD is real. Um, this trauma, this pain is real, and um, being able to say goodbye and tell him honestly, like I didn't like you when I was growing up. You weren't my best friend. You weren't my role model, and mom was. But I, I love you. You know. And I forgive you for everything. And um, go to sleep, Dad. It's okay. And um, um, yeah, that was hard. But then that freed me so much. Like it was like this weight. And then it's like a, in a flash, um, 
two weeks later, he, he passes. He's, you know, I, I hear his pacemaker just turn off and that was it. And I see my mom just like, you got to say something before you die. Like before you leave, say something. And that was hard to see. Um, then my brother goes outside and just kind of collapses. And, um, you know, at that moment, it's like, <laughs> I need to do something else. Like I need something. And so I come back to LA, I get dunked in Santa Monica, um, beautiful church. Uh, it's like, I studied Buddhism, I studied everything, but I needed something else. And I was hurting so much inside. And, you know, to see that in real time play out, it really felt like I was in a movie, you know, I, it wasn't my real life. And, it, um, and so I was gone, like I was going to uh, dark spaces from the divorce, like I was going back there. And if it wasn't for my friends, um, beautiful friends that I have, the church, um, these people that just accepted me for who I was and supported me, I, I think I would have went back. And so that's the long story of how I started some neat place and why it was so special to me. And so at the, the end of the year, I just like, I'm not going to be scared anymore. My identity is to shape this world. And I think this is my sign. And so I took it and I ran with it. And then I just, I needed to heal. And so I just thought, if I told stories of kindness, if I met random strangers, not just my friends, that's easy. But if I went to random strangers and heard about how one kind act impacted their life and how they pay it forward, and if they have a pro tip on life, because I need them, just go. And I started doing it. And um, it was so healing uh, hearing these stories. And I just went one after another, one after another. And I was like, this, is, this feels great. It feels selfish. But then I would hear stories of other people and the things that they went through from rape to, to suicide to, to beatings um, and also sharing beautiful moments that shaped, like completely changed your life. And then instead of like chasing influencers and, oh, I need to have a business tactic of growth. Like I need, I need to scale. I was like, no, I just need to heal my heart. I'm going to chase my heart. If you have 200 followers, I have one. If you have a story, I'm going to listen. And so started weaving it out, in and out. And it was so, such a beautiful expression from these people and just their bravery to share these moments with me and the perfect stranger. And I would spend five hours with them the first time meeting them or uh, go out, buy them a drink, and then we become friends. And so that was the, um, the beginning of some neat place through all that trauma. But I thank you for listening. Oh, of course. That's so beautiful. I... I mean, it just, it's where it starts, is healing yourself. And again, like asking yourself, you know, it's easy for us to get caught up in build mode. Like, yes, I want to make money. I want to do this. But like, why are you doing it? And it takes sometimes like trauma or near death events or other people that, for that wake up call to happen. Excuse me. My, <laughs> my nose is so <laughs> Um. And so I, I, I really think it's amazing what you're doing. Uh, I'm curious when your dad um, was in bed, was he able to talk to you? Um, he was writing at that time. Okay. Um, and he lost his voice. Okay. I think the cancer kind of spread. Um, so yeah, he, he, he would listen though. There's okay. a cool thing though. Um, my mom actually found a notebook. It was those generic mead notebooks you buy for school and they're like wide ruled and whatever. Um, and he actually wrote it inside, like almost like a diary. And the things he said, I was like, oh man, I saw a compassionate father that he never expressed these words to us. And 
but through that through those notes it's like I, I i saw his heart you know after he died and it's unfortunate that he couldn't say that when he was alive but there's a beauty in letting it go and remembering him for that it's mm -hmm. like oh man he was a gentle person you know beyond um, the exterior and this aggressiveness and all he wanted to be his love too you know and and so i saw that and also fed me to to be more kind you know and, and just chase this as hard as i can you said it was healing for you to communicate to him and for him to know how you felt. Did you need to hear anything from him back? Yeah. I mean, I, I think growing up, I needed to hear a good job, son, you know, attaboy. Look, well, maybe not attaboy, like, <laughs> you know, but like these expressions that made me feel like I was, um, you know, I, I could do no wrong. Like I was a twinkle in his eye and like I wanted to be that. And I never got it from him. I was always compared. And so I thought I always needed him to say, before he passed away, like, I'm sorry. I think I just needed to hear that once. Um, and he did. He didn't go into detail. Like, I didn't need to go, hey, Dad, when I was 18, this event, I need you to apologize for that specific. He just said, in his Korean, like, I'm sorry. And that was good enough for me. Um, and that let me let go of everything, everything. And there's a lot. There's a lot. Okay. So it sounds like this whole experience, what well, softens your dad, and it sounds like it has softened you as well. Yeah, yeah. Which um, I think it's a great place to be. You get kind of cracked open. Mm -hmm. We all, you know, we're always on like on guard, and and to be cracked open, it really allows in some a lot of beauty. Yeah. And magic. It's, in life. Yeah, I, magic. Mm -hmm. um, I think it allowed me to see. To me, it was impossible for my dad to get soft. Just no way. And for me to see it, and it just made me realize nothing is impossible. You can just go whatever. You have this one life to live. You don't have a do-over, so go chase it. And to see my dad crack like that, like you said, um, it just wow, there's, anything is possible if you just put your mind to it. And so that's why I'm, I'm chasing kindness and see what I can do with it. Cool. So besides the church and besides your company, is there anything else you do? Um, oh, and you said you listen to podcasts yeah. and books. Do you, is there any other modality that you've done um, during your healing process? Yeah, um, talking to my friends, you know, like getting circles of my guy friends and talk about vulnerable things. Some of them don't entertain it. Some of them are just, you know, they have their guard up. And being able to see that and note that, it's been such a growth for me too. Um, like feeling energy and all that thing. You know, it's like things that I never thought about I that would do. Um, but this is the way I move through life now. And um, having those conversations, being a part of circles, um, listening more than responding, just listening all the time. It's almost like you're people watching, but then you're in conversations and you're just listening to people now. And, and it feeds you. And whether it's right or wrong, you just listen. And then I go back in and start Googling all types of things too. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, can we shift gears a little bit sure. and talk about relationships, romantic relationships? So you, I mean, I feel like healing is forever, like for for anyone, yeah. right? It's like, it's never complete. But while you're healing, like, are you open to to dating right now? Are you on the apps? Yeah. <laughs> what, is it, what is that? Yeah, like? I'm on the apps and, you know, that's a laborious process too. Um, but I'm trying. And as I'm still learning about myself, you know, and trying to see and trying to date differently with more intentionality yeah. and going in there and say this is what i not want but this is what i'm looking for in a partner and it's such a shift you know because i've always it's like oh 
they need to work out, they need to do this, and they need to have this elevated life. And it's like, that's my own insecurities that I'm projecting out there. And now it's like, I want to, I want something else that someone that could compliment me and not just fill a void that I'm working through because it's not theirs to own. It's mine. It's my responsibility to take care of. What are some of the top qualities that you look for now in a partner? I think being growth minded, right? And, and wanting, I don't need someone to be like Gandhi level and like try to heal the world in some way, but I wanted, I want them to be passionate about something, you know? And so that spark, I can feel it, whether it's being at home, raising kids or, or trying to cure cancer, um, but just be passionate. And I just think I, I vibe off that energy, someone that wants to change the world in some way and through their own lens, um, that's what I look for. The growth minded thing is very important for me um, because then now they're open to the world and not just uh, more centered on this is right because I've been down that path and I wasn't right. Um, not to say that their views aren't are, are invalid, but I think I just need conversation and someone that's more open to the world. Are you open right now? Like, do you feel open right now? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm like the most open I've ever been in my entire life, you know, and it's going to get more open. Uh, the more vulnerable I get, the more I lean in to myself and just learn. Um, and I'm not perfect. And this is why I coined the company Perfectly Imperfect because I'm that way. And I still need a lot of growth. And like you said, it's a, it's a lifelong journey. Mm -hmm. And you recently, you moved back to Austin, right? You're from Texas originally. Yeah. And then you were in LA for, you said, the like last 11 years. Yeah, yeah, last 11 years. And you moved back. So you're closer to your family now. Yeah. So it's, it was, only supposed to be for two months or so. And then now I'm there for almost over a year. Uh, my heart's still in LA. So it's, I want to get back. Um, but then I want to take care of my family there and eventually get my mom back to, or not back to, but to LA. So oh, that's, yeah? the, that's the ideal plan. Okay. Wait, she was here when you were here? No, she oh. wasn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's good to be near. It is. Her, right? It is. Especially when our parents get older, I think. I mean, it's. Um, I feel very lucky both my parents are alive. And it, it's actually one of my biggest fears, I, like, when I imagine. Because I just see them elderly now. They're yeah. slowing down. Like, the reality hits. They're not going to be around forever. How many more times am I going to get to hang out with yeah. them? And it makes me really sad. And um, so I think it's it's really nice that, that you live close to her. Um, ha has your relationship with your mom changed since the trauma? It's gotten closer. You know, and when I practice my gratitude thing is in the morning and, um, you know, naturally um, she'll just peep in and sometimes she'll just open my door without knocking. Oh, yeah. And so it's just like, you know, it's like, <laughs> and so I just joke around a lot. It's like, um, and just um, hearing more stories from her. And that's been the coolest part, just being like living with her. Okay, I didn't know that you lived together. Yeah, like I'm, I'm taking care of her, like, you know, just random chores and taking out the trash or something and um, just being there to support her as a caretaker. And, you know, my brother's been uh, entirely helpful for our entire family. And, um, but yeah, it's just that deepened communication. It's, it's been amazing just to, you know, talk about how, how did you meet dad? And did you guys go on dates? What did you do back in the, the 20s? She was like, I wasn't born in the 20s. Like, born in the 50s. I was like, well, what did you guys do in the 20s? It's like, you run around, like, go to school. It's like, all the things that they did was so uh, it's fascinating and how grateful we should be, you know, and, like, all the small things we have. Yeah. And like you said, I think it's so spot on where you think about how many Christmases we have left with our parents. 
maybe seven, who knows? And we're so driven by making money, capital, like all these other things. And we forget that when we pass away, the only thing we want back is time and that, that relationship. And so I'm doing the best I can just being there, eating lunch and just, you know, just spending that time with her. It's been amazing. I love that. Yeah, just presence. Like, that's yeah. all we can do. And yeah. the relationships, that's uh, the memories, that's all we have to take yeah. with us. And I love that you are asking her questions and listening to her because I feel like with parent dynamics, a lot of times it's all about us. We make it all about yeah. us. And we, we don't ask them things. Yeah. So that's a reminder for me to, nice. <laughs> to do that more. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much for sharing. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but I... You have such a lovely story, and thank you for being so inspiring. Oh, thank you. If people would like to connect with you or send you a message, where's the best place to do that? Um, go to uh, Instagram. Find us at, at Some Neat Place. And uh, you can just find us on the web, too, someneatplace.com. Um, and reach out to me. I check most of everything because um, I'm compelled to. So, yeah, just reach out. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you've enjoyed the show, please give it five stars and write a review. It helps my rankings, and I really, really appreciate it. And if you're interested in my book to read or gift to a friend, it's called Show Up, Finding Love for Independent Women, and it's available on Amazon. Have a great day.